This podcast contains mature and adult themes and is not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. I'm always like trying to be queer enough for my queer trans partner. Ah, okay. Right? Interesting. So, I'm too um disabled for the queer community and I'm too queer for the disabled for, community. For the disabled community. Welcome to another cracking episode of the Queer Podcast. Today we are exploring a relatively uncomfortable making intersectionality that very often we pretend doesn't even exist. That of being queer and disabled or differently abled depending on your political take on these words. Uh, and we have with us someone who is less than half my age at 25 and yet someone who has probably done more for our queer disabled folks than most people can do in a lifetime. So let's say hola to our star guest who has winged their way in from Delhi for their graduation. I'm so proud to have with us Nu who identifies as non-binary queer who is a writer, activist, feminist and is disabled and also is someone to look up to in many many ways. Hi Nu, welcome to the Queer Podcast and a big thank you for joining us on your visit to Bombay. Oh, thank you so much for having me here today. Um This is actually my first in-person podcast. Oh, you've done so, recorded sessions before? Yeah, I have online. Right. So, you know, this is like a, um, a very cool thing to do. So, Great. I'm so yeah. glad you think, uh, thought that. And I'm sorry that we stalked you and nagged you and uh, kind of uh, twisted your arm to get you here. It's absolutely fine. Okay, good. Uh, so, Nu is the founder of Revival Disability India. which is a digital project that they founded in 2020 so that's a pandemic baby it is it right. is this is a supportive community by and for the disabled and they have been honored with the ladli award for gender sensitization congratulations Thank you. and they are a un recognized disabled queer collective and a lot more which we'll find out so congratulations on your graduation what is this degree that you have come um, to um so it's after a lot of um trauma and a lot of like also i use trauma also in a very humorous sense okay so just All i'm right. just putting it out there okay good <laughs> yeah um so i'm finally like graduating in my masters in women studies oh cool yeah Wow, congratulations. So a big big disclaimer to you is that the whole idea behind this podcast is for um old queer folk like me and other people from outside the community as well to negotiate younger queer worlds and to learn about the new rainbow world that you youngsters are creating uh, so you need to forgive my boobos because they don't come from intent but they come from ignorance okay so be kind um so tell me let's clear the air because this is somewhere that i constantly need help uh what are your pronouns and how do you identify 
So my pronouns are they, he. I am still figuring out my trans identity. Oh. Um, I'm a trans, non-binary, disabled person. Wow. Um, I just know that um, transness is very fluid. Right. And even within the community, there are various guidelines to be trans the right way, which I do not subscribe to. Yeah, I do not subscribe to that. Right. I think um, transness is whatever um, a person wants it to be. Right. So is sexuality. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, uh, those are my pronouns and that's how I identify as. Okay, cool. So I didn't know about the trans. Uh, I don't think that comes through very often in uh, stuff that's written about you. So thank you for sharing that with us. I totally agree with you that sexuality, uh, gender, all this is on a spectrum. We just know that we are on the queer side of the spectrum. That's something we're sure about. Um, but I'm, I guess that you're still negotiating it as you go. Um, I am. In our community, a lot of, um, you know, consider trans only once you transition. Right. Right. Or you trans present in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I am pretty cis presenting. There's a privilege to that also. Yeah. But also I'm not considered trans. Right. right? Um, there are these various rules also of being um, marginalized. Right. I yeah. call it like bodies of convenience. Bodies which are, which are more palatable. Uh, wow! Yeah, and something which you can wrap your head around easily, and trans disabled folks do not come under that. Yeah, yeah. So another word that we keep touching on, but I don't really understand, is ableism. So what do you mean by ableism? Ableism, like my definition, is when, um, you know, you, um doubt uh, the value of disabled bodies like you undermine and don't value disabled bodies right, right. okay that's so, simple to um, understand something which is simple also i'm not i'm not ca- calling anyone out i'm not calling you out right but um like outside when we we're talking about delivery apps right right um we were talking about how easy it is right Right. Also, like ordering, like one the thing smallest from the thing, yeah. while it is like nuanced and in a, a class bit. Right. But also at the same time, as disabled people unable to you know go to the shop. Yes. Or receive. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, it's also easier for us. Right. So, like at this point, I don't only want to touch upon disability or ability, but also like. Those of us that exist in a non-normative body. Right. Bodies that aren't represented and bodies that are uh, undermined. Right. Right. So, ableism is again like a very broad spectrum. It can be um, ableism and infantilization. I'm just giving you like um, an example. Yeah. When people say, um, oh, you're too pretty. To mean the same one. Oh my God! You've right? actually had that being said to you. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's that classic. Again, you know, when you tell plus size people that you're so pretty, but if only you lost some weight yeah, or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. So that is 
something which is told quite often to disabled women as well as like so many strengths right like uh, prettiness or or success are seen as not coexisting with disability because disability is essentially seen as a failure right right so obviously you've gone through like a lot of stuff i don't even know where to start uh and i i guess like it it's kind of would be overwhelming and would take days to probably discuss discrimination and shutting down and sort of silencing that you've been through uh but i'm interested in the sexuality element uh so did you grow up thinking you were straight or were you sort of forced to think of yourself as straight so i did grow up in like um a compulsorily um heteronormative able bodied society right so when i talk about my queerness i i cannot talk about it without my disability right right because the two very much go together right i was always told to achieve able bodiedness my disabled body my physically disabled body yeah. was always um buried in a way that i was told to fix myself right Eek. like uh i was um like for example um the way i i would talk um but for years i spent burning my disabled voice um um uh, like hiding my disabled hand right. in my pocket okay or um you know i was told to walk straight oh god right and now i just have a i have a joke that i can't walk straight because i'm not straight, straight. yeah i knew that was i knew that <laughs> that i knew was coming <laughs> yeah so did you occupy like a sexuality where you were straight in your um, head yeah i did so um when you are born a woman um like everyone tells you you're automatically supposed to date a man right yeah. a cis het man a cis het even bodied samarna man it's right. just yeah so top of the hierarchy right so um that's what i pursued and um in those relationships i really buried my disability which is ironical also because um my disability is so visible to the world right yeah um but when i say that it's like i was afraid of taking up space um and talking about my needs in that in in those relationships right and um you were trying to fit in in a fit sense fit in like be the perfect girlfriend or mm-hmm. in the future be a good wife ah right and uh, i feel like i've struggled my my entire cis het life um catching up to able bodied femininity like i had these certain rules where my mobility and my crutch would make me less feminine right i wouldn't think of it in that way um so you know how these rules that when i'm walking when i'm wearing a dress mm-hmm. then i'm not supposed to carry my crutch. crutch okay or when i'm posing in a photo so when an observer sees the photo they don't see that i'm i'm 
physically disabled right in the photo right so i was very um concerned with invisibilizing the disability invisibilizing disability and burning it as low as possible yeah. right sorry one thing that struck me while you were saying this is do you ever feel like you have to be a certain personality because of that like do you ever feel oh i better be sweet so that be so yeah so um um in my sad relationships i was the cool disabled girl who never spoke about her disability right right which was part um, of the invisibilizing that narrative yeah uh and and then um i'm always like trying to be queer enough for my queer trans partner ah okay right? interesting so i'm too um disabled for the queer community and i'm too queer for the disabled for, community for the disabled community um this thing of again i come back to independence because it's like the theme has been so resplendent in my life yeah. and i've never had the words to articulate it but now i do yeah and in so, quite a beautiful positive way like resplendent is a lovely word <laughs> makes me think of carnival and feathers <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so, so that's a good word So then thank god we get into the queer era we leave this is het era behind happily so i read an interesting thing about the theory of queerness which i wanted to share just to get your thoughts that <clears throat> queer theorists contention is that there is no set normal only changing norms that people mm. may or may not fit into making queer theorists main challenge to disrupt binaries in the hope that this will destroy difference as well as inequality right mm. so as is as is often the case for race class and various other intersectional combinations being both differently abled and queer can bring about its own struggle obviously and those in our community that live with physical mental cognitive illnesses often have very particular needs and lack that visibility so again props to you for standing up and calling them out and you know like saying that this is what you need because uh, that also is evolution in a, in some ways right reaching a certain stage of self acceptance and and uh, yeah um i also like commenting on the statement i also think queerness creates um possibilities right uh, which in, are unscripted which are unscripted when there are certain queer intimacy goals to follow right. you know that that perfect uh, length of your haircut or um and perfect amount of eye contact you give to a stranger right right there are certain uh, there are certain behavior or codes of intimacy and sure. are queer enough but at the same time um i've also found that the disabled queerness i've created within myself creates possibilities for failure as well as grief because while queer joy is important mm-hmm. so is acknowledging um failure and grief right absolutely um sitting with it and making space for it right right and accepting it yeah in that way queerness also kind of gives alternative paths to like people who might not you know like fit into the binary yeah right so absolutely um so i attended um a conference on queer intimacies in 
2022 and in that conference like we spoke a lot about uh, like there are people who are who have resources to identify as queer mm-hmm. or to fit into that label but also like when you see um this is very broad spectrum of course right. but when you see those um that that you know that particular single aunt in your family yeah i have one right so and i am <laughs> one actually i'm slowly becoming yeah one. so you know they don't necessarily identify as queer but how uh the yeah. movement just gives space to all yeah. of us right So interestingly disabled members of the queer community face stigma internally and there's a term called crip gay which is crippled yeah. gay i guess which is used to describe queer people usually men with disabled with physical disabilities uh and obviously gay men with disabilities don't fit the queer image of beauty or any image of beauty i guess and then now that has evolved to something called queer crip which is for those who choose to take up the label is a term meant to bridge the gap between uh disability and queerness uh are there any terms that you use to refer to yourself or that you're proud to reclaim or um i remember i used to like my previous dating app bio was um queer disabled and chaotic right <laughs> yeah yeah so uh now we're just um looking for the next Toxic gay to ruin my life. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I'm just like, um, <laughs> sorry. In a way, um, like uh, we have this collective, right? And we have this group which is called Disabled Queer Magic. Right. Queer right? Magic. Yeah. Okay. Disabled Queer Magic. Mm-hmm. And we call ourselves Crip Cuties. Oh, nice. So, which is better than crip gay obviously i mean it's not a competition yeah <laughs> but yeah. yeah because crip gay is again ex- excluding a lot of the spectrum na yeah so crip cuties is nice and broad again labels so. labels right yeah. labels labels so what was coming out like i mean coming out in an indian context is anyway very loaded and like we discuss quite often on this podcast yeah. at 54 i'm still coming out and you never stop coming out so yeah. what was your coming out like uh i um have been born and brought up in calcutta mm-hmm. um and i think um i was uh, exposed to queer culture when i went to delhi right um i met many queer friends who said that you know coming coming to delhi has changed their lives which for better or worse which is true right. right um you come to a new city as a as someone who, who lives in a structurally excluded body and then you're exposed to all these resources and possibilities and yes i'm allowed to be a certain way yeah and communities right? yeah exactly mm. so um i think when i found in this collective as well like um i i would give these interviews i think the no uh, first interview was with the hindu mm-hmm. and then i said i'm disabled and queer so my parents read that mm-hmm. and uh, it was like they were like 
forced to acknowledge it. Right. Like, um, there wasn't any such conversation about it. Right. Um, but they just came across it and... And, you know, in Indian families, there's a lot of denial, right? Of course. So, nothing was said about it. Right. But yeah. do you all ever discuss it now? Um, so, my, my queer lover has come to my hometown to visit me. This happened in, um, this November, November right. of last year. Right. So, this was the first time, um, my parents saw with their eyes that I, I am queer. Right. Like, I'm not just saying something, right? Right. So, um, they were visibly trans, right? Um, and... So, Trans-presenting. Trans-presenting. And what was the... Uh... <laughs> trans mask. Okay. Yeah. They were also trans So, female to male. Yeah. So, um, uh, on having a trans person, um... In the house, right? Just the yeah, not an everyday reaction, occurrence. Yeah. The reaction to that. Um, so, my mom was very welcoming. And um, my dad said something like, like he, he saw them and he was like, um, is that your lady friend? Which is <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing to say to a trans mask person. I mean, yeah, it is. So, yeah. uh, but, but yeah. that again, it's a generational thing. It's just that he probably doesn't know that that's really incorrect. Also, like his daughter, you know, kind of yeah, like being in that space, right? Yeah. So, yeah, when we talk about like also, um, I really wanted to talk about you know finding home in a way. Mm-hmm. So, um. How I've always like moved from one big big city to another, you know, finding. So home. then it was Delhi, Bombay. Calcutta, uh, Delhi, Bombay. Right. Right, and then back to Delhi. Right. And Delhi, I like to call it my chosen home. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's where I found like, um, uh, a lot of toxic lovers as well as community and friends. So both this, good and bad. Yeah. So. Uh, this thing, like my mom once told me, why you with your um queer lover, right? Uh, is it because she takes care of you? And um, I thought about it a lot, and then I asked her, I asked my queer lover, like, like why did my mom ask me this? And then she was like, like we are with each other because. We take care of each other. Right. So this thing about health being transactional as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how it's a two-way street and not a one-way street. Which makes you, it's nicer, right? Obviously. Obviously, because um, a disabled person, at least like a, there are lots of positionalities and social markers, right? Of disability. Um, when you're visibly and physically disabled, um, then you're not seen as someone who is capable of helping or... Yeah, how could you, yeah, possibly... Yeah, yeah I know. In fact, today, thank God for that, I, I just have really good friends in my master's. Yeah. I made, like, two very good friends. 
and um, one of them, um, I was like, we were on the road today, and um, they were pushing my wheelchair, and I made a comment that was like, um, if it weren't for y'all, I wouldn't have survived in this institution, and they were like, um. Um, it's on two-way street, right? Yeah. We made each other survive. Then, of course, there's media representation, which we have to touch on. So, such few film series, etc., that deal with this intersection of queerness and disability. You have queerness, you have disability, you have uh, both being dealt with separately, of course. And we all know that media is extremely powerful and important in shaping minds, ideologies, etc. So... Uh, I'm thinking back to a time when writer-director Shonali Bose, who is, by the way, is like a sister to me and an important positive influence on my queerness when I was growing up in that she was one of the few people that would always encourage me to do cabarets for her, wearing her clothes, right? And then take them off. And then she told me that she was writing the script about somebody who was queer and disabled. And she does have somebody in her family who is disabled, uh... So I thought yeah. it, uh, you know, came from there. And the family has, in fact, been uh, responsible for sp- setting up the Spastic Society of India because of that individual, Malini. And I remember naively and, and, and fortunately wrongly telling her that, oh my God, Shunali, that's really dark. Like, who will want to watch a film about yeah. a disabled queer person? Like, where's mm-hmm. the joy? Like, that sounds really heavy to me. And of course, she turned it around with Margarita with a straw, uh, with a lot of humor. Yeah. And while researching this, I saw a documentary called Picture This. Have you seen that? I haven't. Okay, so I'll try and send it across to you. It's a Canadian documentary on two disabled people. One is Andrew Gerza, who is uh, the main guy who's in a wheelchair, but who is yeah. who's determined to have good sex. And this film... Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely all of Andrew Gerza. Right, yeah. And yeah. he's too cool. Uh, so they set up a group called D- Deliciously Disabled. And they organize a sex-positive play party called Justify My Love. I don't like the norm sex-positivity. Right. Um, ra- rather than like these terms like positivity or inclusion or diversity. I prefer like affirmation and okay. belonging. Okay. You know, so actively trying to inculcate. Not include, but... Inculcate. Okay. Um, in active collaboration and co-creation with um, people with limbed experiences. Right. Right. Across so, the board. Yeah. Right. Because um, you already know my my overwhelming overwhelming reaction to certain words. Right. Yeah. So because they've been used so much in the past by tokenistic organizations. Indiscriminately. Who don't give a fuck. Right. Now, I hope this is not distasteful to you, but maybe this is symptomatic of my internal prejudice that I'm apologizing for this. But there is a category in porn that features disabled people. Have you heard about this? And and what do you make of this? So Andrew Gerza, who we were talking about, says, I'd rather be fetishized than discriminated against. What is your thought on this? I remember an able-bodied friend. This happened... Uh, much before, like, before I articulated my own identity. Right. Um, an able-bodied friend told me, like, gave me a, a link to a 
one time I like oh, uh, don't disable one and I got offended. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, very valid. And um, I remember like searching also for disable one on the internet, but not finding any any like or I didn't dare to kind of search. more right. and i'm kind of lazy when i watch porn also <laughs> yeah so i like okay there are too many categories let's just pick one right, right? So, so i'm um nowadays i'm just like very lazy with my pleasure as well right um whatever you see like i go home and fuck myself yeah yeah that's fact that that just you know just like Balancing everything. Right. So, um, again, coming back to what I feel about it, I also feel like I'm not at, um, like I shouldn't comment on this about the fetishization of bit, disabled people. Yeah. Uh, of what Andrew Gosa said. Right. Because that's what he feels, yes. right, in his, um, disabled queer body. Right. So. I wouldn't be in liberty to comment, comment on, on it. it. Right. But, no, my take, yeah. my question more was like, does that offend you? And you say you didn't really enjoy it. But there is a validity to a school of thought like his, which says, make space for everybody. There definitely uh, there is. is some beauty. There is sexuality. Yeah. There is sexual pleasure in everybody. So, if people, uh, disabled people, yeah. perhaps enjoy it or feel some identification, then why not? Yeah. But yeah, when it, I guess it cross crosses over to. Fetishization and a spectacle. There are times when, you know, you when you're respected and fetishized, you don't mind it, right? Right. So, like, um, again, I've been infantilized in all of my relationships. Okay. My entire life, right? I mean, not uh, okay, but right. Yeah. So, um, but when, um, I had this. A very affirmative hookup that I told you about, um, and like um, the stranger um, praised me for quote unquote being a slut in bed. Ooh. Yeah. So um, that was affirming, right? right? Because you're infantilized your entire life, and then you're you're a slut. Suddenly you're a slut. You're yeah. a slut in your own agency. Yeah. Right, which is nice, no? Uh, where where you're not being forced or or abused in bed, right? Which are also experiences I have had. Right. So having this hookup like in a new city in Bombay. Oh, right? welcome so, to Bombay. Yeah, so it's kind of like affirming in that sense. And was this a? Right? Uh, do you mind me asking? Was this a, a queer hookup? Yeah. Okay. Right, right. It was. Okay. So, just to close, while the world struggled with the pandemic, you bloomed and created the Revival Disability India Group Collective. Uh, so there are some whip-ass quotes on your profile. One is, "We call out ableists and marvel at our hot disabled bodies in the mirror," um, and you say, "I do not want to." Inspired through my words, I want to start a disabled riot. We des- deserve a place in society, and you also introduced a really cool concept called Cripple Times Week, right? 
Kriplintines week. Yeah. Uh, in the run up to Valentine's Day, which was a week devoted to celebrating love with the term Kriplintine, substituting the stigma attached to the word cripple. So what is the purpose behind the group and what exactly do you do? So, um, Revival Disability India is, um, a disabled queer collective, mm-hmm. um, firstly, and, um, we also believe in the power of storytelling. Right. Um, we publish stories for the disabled queer community. We don't write for the able-bodied gays. Right. Right. We don't write to, in a way, you know spread awareness um, among the able-bodied right. who already have resources. So, by and for. By and for. Great. Strictly, right? And um, we also have this um, demographic in the group where um, I am trying to make it like a LBT group. Right. Lesbian, bisexual, transgender. Why are you leaving out the G's? G's get too much anyway. <laughs> They're yeah. overprivileged in the queer space. <laughs> yeah, actually no. But maybe the disabled gays, you should give them a little um, bit of uh, space on the table. <laughs> I mean, again, it's very politicness. Okay. Like, you know, like, cis disabled women, we are including in that demographic. Right. But yes, there are um, disabled gays as well. In the group. Yeah. Um, non-binary people. Right. Right. But since disabled men, we have a strict policy. No, again. no. Yeah. It's no, no. <laughs> so, uh, and this is our group. And um, um, we are also part of the Generation Equality mm-hmm. Forum by UN Women India. Great. Um, and we are a magazine on... Um, a community plus a magazine on um, uh, intersectional feminism, mm-hmm. um, desire and intimacy. Right. So we talk a lot about all things disabled queer intimacy. Wow. Okay, cool. I believe that there is power in disabled descent, you say. Yeah, there definitely is. And I, and I often say online, um, which might be kind of neoliberal but I say it anyway that um, you know you don't only walk into a revolution but you wheel limp and hop wow. into a revolution wow right wow. yeah lot to learn lot to uh, lot, a long way to go for me but this truly has been amazing and thank you for sharing yourself so authentically for a start I'm really keen to see where your journey takes you. I'm really going to be keeping tabs from my uh, old seat at the window. And I'm pretty sure you're going to be someone who's going to impact a lot of lives to come. And I know that's heavy responsibilities. I Uh, should impact my own life. Yeah, which you're doing. I mean, look uh, at your own evolution, no? And stop going back to my toxic ex. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, you mustn't go back yeah. to your toxic ex. Yeah. Nobody must go back to their toxic ex, actually. Once or twice, yeah, for the sake of a good hookup and then bust. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to get it out of your system. Yeah. Yeah. So stay in Bombay. Have some more amazingly affirmative hookups mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that bring out variously delicious sides to you. 
and thank you so much uh, big rainbow kisses and, and also give me content for my book oh that's right so uh, yeah so why don't you tell us you're actually working on a book for penguin which is super I exciting am, i am so just like the experience of being a disabled queer person um i have written you didn't ask me why i started on it i have written a like kind of a draft right but again that's when i identified as a woman right so again like that's changed tra- yeah that's changed right so just um these can you keep up with your own evolution can i yeah, yeah exactly the chapters keep changing exactly yeah. so it's also about like being in these cities and navigating different spaces navigating queer spaces yeah. um for example a very uh, very fast and ridiculous example of like me walking into a into a, into a queer party yeah and a, a, a queer even body person who I matched with on Bumble seeing me there yeah and saying what are you doing here oh god so you know my existence is questioned in many places so just like writing about um those politics of existing in such a body which is constantly questioned um Um, Do you have a title in mind? I know. Which is? So, it's called uh, Crip the World. Crip the world. the world. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, what we were talking about? Yeah. Queer Crip. Queer Crip and Crip yeah. Cuties. Yeah. All right. So, all the bestest for this book. I look forward to uh, having a copy in my hands. And thank you so much, Nu, from all of us and, and at Audiomatic as well for coming in and for sharing everything with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> you were listening to The Queer Podcast hosted by Ashish Soni. Produced by Audiomatic. Producers for Audiomatic Akanksha Kadam and Avdoot Khanulkar. Assistant producer Nitesh Zuvare. Original title track by Shrijit Vijay. Sound design mix and master by Team Audiomatic. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guest and do not reflect the policy or position of any organization, entity or platform. This podcast is not intended to harm, defame or offend any individual, group or organization. and any references made to persons living or deceased are purely coincidental and not intended to be taken as factual statements